0: So welcome to Profile3TV, and today we're joined by Alan Buffing. So thank you for taking time out to talk to us today, and you're coming from Amsterdam.
1: Correct here, and thank you so much for having me. Amazing. Uh, yeah, I'm originally uh, born in Amsterdam, and currently uh, living in Berlin. Um, so I haven't, actually haven't lived in Amsterdam for the last 10 years. Um, before moving to Berlin, I lived in Dublin, actually. I think you're from from Ireland yourself. Yep, yep, exactly. Yeah. So, I was, I was living, um, I was living yeah, on, the, on the shores of Dublin for almost three and a half years. Okay. Uh, and before that, I lived a little bit in Asia and in, in Munich. But uh, yeah, now for now it's, it's Christmas, as you can see, the tree over here. Uh, so, we're here in Amsterdam to visit uh, the family, friends.
0: Um, yeah. Amazing. And, and Enjoying uh, it. I like yourself. I, I had eleven years on the road, so lived in England, Ooh. Dubai, Egypt, so um, and then come back home. So it looks like we're, we're we both have itchy feet.
1: <laughs> so yeah. it about,
0: it's, it's once,
1: you, once you hit the travel bug, it's 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 difficult to get, get yeah. rid of it, isn't it?
0: What, what to do? What to do? So exactly. tell us tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and what you're what you're uh, working on at the moment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um so my background uh, as I said I was I was born and raised in Amsterdam um my entrepreneurial um history kind of le- uh, started when I was 4 years old uh, and when my so my father has like a family company he has like it's like a wholesaler in, in fruits and vegetables in Amsterdam uh, and already as a kid he um brought me uh, with him in his in his little truck and we drove for for 20 minutes to his uh to his like warehouse where I was given, like, I think it was a couple of euros a day uh, or guilders back in the days to just um, manage the, the crates, like small, small tasks. I think that was already quite um, instrumental for um, like getting familiar with business and just having, like, some, some small side hustles along the way. Um, but also my, my uncles and my aunts, um, they all had their own company. So my uncle, Netherlands is famous for uh, flowers. So one of my uncles has like a flower business, another uncle had his own travel agency in, in Thailand. So I think it was already from an early age that I was already quite inspired by these yeah, strong characters in my family, um, which kind of led me to um, study entrepreneurship uh, in university. Um, and when I, was, when I was studying that, I kind of got familiar with traveling, so I did my my internship in Thailand at the age of 19. Uh, so I was already from a young age in a new culture with new people. Um, and this is when I, when I really got the knack for, yeah, living in an international society. Um, so after, after my studies, I I went back, uh, sorry, I went back to Amsterdam, finished my studies there, did a semester abroad, lived in the Canary (laughs) Islands, places of wild places. Not much studying going on there, but it was great to work on my Spanish. Um, and after graduation, I, I did some some projects d- during my student times where I was kind of experimenting a little bit with entrepreneurship and, and these kind of things. One, one thing we did was uh, we called it dinner dates where we matched. It was kind of like the, when I, when I think about it now, it was like the, the previous version of kind of if Tinder meets just going on a blind date in a restaurant, that was kind of our concept. So we would... Basically, it was me and three other girls uh, from a student group. And basically, we would approach people on the streets and be like, listen, you look like a very cool person. We have this new concept where we match um, groups of people on a table of four. So basically, you could sign up. Um, but you had to sign up with one of your mates. Uh, and then we would, we would match you to two girls. And then the whole package would, would include like a bottle of sangria and some tapas, for example. And then we wouldn't tell you, who you would be matched with. Um, so it was quite cool. Like the, the we we ran a couple of events. Um, but I think after my studies, I kind of knew that the whole dating scene <laughs> wasn't really my niche, to say. Um, and then yeah, after my studies, I I, I joined a couple of startups. Uh, I work for Rocket Internet. Uh, they're quite famous in, in in Europe for kind of um, not copying, but maybe taking the inspiration from American startups and launching it in Europe. Um so that was very interesting. I went back to Asia another time, lived in Munich, um, created a travel program for a Dutch travel agency, which was very interesting. It was one of the first uh, online agencies to uh, travel agencies to go into Myanmar, or I think maybe they say Burma in, in Ireland I'm not sure. Um, but that was very adventurous. And then I kind of had the feeling that I was lacking this whole corporate en- environment, this whole corporate experience. <laughs> So I did some applications when I was 25, and that's when I joined Salesforce, uh, which at the time was um, rated one of the most innovative companies in the world. Uh, And that's actually how I ended up in in Dublin, uh, which is where all the tech companies are based. So you have like Facebook, LinkedIn, Google. And it was very interesting uh, because the the, the talent in in, in Dublin is just extraordinary. People in their late 20s, early 30s, had many mentors, um, made a couple of promotions, learned a lot a lot of consultancy with um, companies in both the Netherlands and in in the UK and it came to cloud consultancy Um, for example how to optimize their uh, CRM systems, marketing automation system service, the whole spectrum which is very interesting. Uh, Afterwards I did a year at HubSpot which is more marketing based and also learned a lot there Um, and then uh, one of my clients at my time at, at HubSpot Approached me if I wanted to open up um, a business development sister kind of uh, branch for them in Berlin. Um, and I, when I was living in Munich, I think Munich is kind of it, it's a nice city and it has the Oktoberfest and it has the beers and stuff. But I think Berlin for me as a person is a bit more exciting. Uh, so that's when I ended up. Uh, to make a long story short, that's how I ended up in Berlin. Uh, did that um, for eight months and. At the beginning of April, um, I started my own nutrition company, which is called uh, The Temple. And Mm. the whole history for starting that was that um, I found that uh, working at companies like Salesforce and HubSpot, seeing lots of people um, performing on a very high level, on a professional level, um, and sometimes I thought that then what happens then is when you have such a high pressure environment, especially for millennials and high achievers, um, sometimes nutrition come second uh, and you see many people not having health problems but um, yeah sometimes being a little bit stressed overworked uh, so what we tried to offer was like a subscription-based holistic solution uh, so that we could help them with their nutrition needs uh, so they could focus on yeah, performing on such a high level both inside and outside the office so we would help them with uh, tips and tricks around sports and that's also how by I am a co-founder, I got introduced to uh, running. I used to hate running uh, when I was a kid. I, I'm, I'm from nature. I'm more a soccer player. I've always been interested in sports. And um, yeah, he is, he's a big runner. So he, I think he finished more than 45 uh, half marathons and six full marathons, one under two hours, which makes you top 1%. And it's interesting. I think that there was... I once read a quote that says, it's the five people you talk with most on a daily basis that get you that, that make you inspired to do certain things so he kind of got me hooked into running uh, and last summer i i did um eight half marathons myself and finished my first my first full one but that was quite an accomplishment uh, and ever since yeah starting the temple i think on a personal level i i lost like eight kilos of, of body fat excessive body fat um yeah feeling more energetic than ever i'm 31 right now but i used to play quite a lot of football like maybe four or five times a week but i'm feeling yeah, more energetic but also more focused than ever um, and i think if you if you touch if you nail down your protein nutrition and your recovery m- moments not only will your sport performance go up but also your professional focus and and your quality of work and yeah and that's that's basically what i'm what i've been doing for the last um eight months now okay. and the, yeah, thank you. The next um, uh, sport challenge, so to say, after the marathon will be to climb Kilimanjaro for New Year's Eve. So I'm quite, uh, quite interested in that. Like next, part, of, part of my interest is, is business and nutrition and sports, but part of it is also traveling. Uh, so I love to travel. I think that, that whole travel book that we talked about a little bit, I catched it when I was living in Thailand. Um, and when I was 19, I made myself the goal to visit every country in the world before my 30th birthday. And there are uh, 197 countries in the world. Um, However, growing up, I kind of figured out that it's not not so much about the destination, but more so about the road towards that goal. So I decided to not do it before my 30th birthday, but I still try to visit a lot of new countries every year. So this year I've been to, I think, 20 countries. I just came back from a trip to uh, Ethiopia, uh, Djibouti, and Somaliland. (laughs) So that was quite uh, quite interesting. So at the moment, I'm I'm I've visited 105 countries. Um, uh, So yeah, that's kind of my my persona in a nutshell. And we can probably we can probably shift towards many yeah,
0: areas. For sure, incredible. A hundred countries. on oh my word! I have a lot to do to catch up. I think so. Uh, I thought I would be available. I have a lot to do. I have a lot. To do. I'm gonna have to get the, the atlas out after this. But uh, very good. And you, you've worked in all these amazing tech companies, and um, yeah. including Dublin, as you say, the hotbed mm. of uh, um, tech in in Europe, which is yeah. incredible to think. Yeah. Uh, and yet, you're still seen that everyone's under pressure, um, and we we let our health slip a little bit. We let our diet slip a little mm. bit. No, no, uh, not name anyone here over here that might be doing the exact same. Um, but but it's commonplace then in all of these com- companies.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's interesting. Like even if you look at companies like um, HubSpot and Salesforce, I think um, especially in those companies where they focus a lot on health um, and. Probably their the, the the employee benefits are extraordinary. So, for example, at Salesforce, you get an extra eight days um, paid time off to volunteer, which is a whole holistic kind of yeah it gives a whole holistic vibe to it. And it was one of the reasons why I chose to work at Salesforce rather than, for example, Oracle or Google or LinkedIn, uh, because they also have this philosophy of giving back, um, and they also run many sports incentives. So. You get like money to go to the gym or or funds, and they have healthy snacks in the office. Uh, and also, for example, at HubSpot, there was always very healthy lunch and coconut water in the fridge. And um, but I think you still see that when, especially in a in a in a tech sales environment, when the pressure is always high and companies need to grow. Like if you look at Salesforce, I think they need to grow year on year with thirty uh, percent. In order to sustain that kind of growth, you need to take on many new people, and obviously. And the pressure gets higher because the quotas probably become bigger and um, and I do think that even though the, the, the general workforce they 're not unhealthy um it 's just that sometimes um, well I, I cannot I cannot talk for all the employees' salesforce and um but I can see what happened in my social circle in my in my circle of friends um Some people suffer with a burnout um other people they they might suffer from maybe having a couple of many drinks during the week, uh, which then if, if, if you have three, four pints on a Tuesday, on Wednesday, your nutrition will not be on point because you will probably need crave for maybe salty snacks or uh, maybe some, some fries or whatever it is. And then I think, yeah, everybody metabolizes stress in a different way. Um, some people do it with sports. Other people do it with maybe a couple of drinks. Other people do it with maybe some sugar infused coffee uh, breaks in between. Some people use cigarettes um But I do think that if you look at I gave a presentation in Cologne last summer about um the rise of burnout rates and the rise of stress um and it's very interesting if you look at the statistics, I think already in the u s thirty five percent of the workforce feel more stressed this year than they were last year uh, and I think yeah. Two out of 10 people um, suffer from a burnout at the moment. So, I do think these, these problems are, are out there. Um, and especially um, when we become more connected and we become more productive and we, we become more efficient, and jobs get more de- demanding. And I think if we don't take time to focus on ourselves, on our body, um, on our spiritual uh, set of uh, yeah, mindset, things can very easily go wrong so to say Uh, luckily I've I've never really suffered from a burnout myself but looking back at my times uh, when I was working in such a high stress environment and even now I sometimes do felt that okay if I continue what I'm doing now potentially I could could end up in a dark place so I think it's good to yeah have a hobby or have some kind of support or maybe a spouse where you can bounce back ideas with because it is challenging right Uh, in, in, in these environments. And I think well, there was a, But sorry, to, to, to come back, there was definitely a big focus on employee wellness and because I think these companies, uh, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm probably not the person to say, but I, I think these companies do realize that if you don't focus on employee uh, wellness, uh, attrition rates will follow. So there's definitely um, a focus on it, but I, we, we had the feeling, you know, our co-founder that a solution like the one of the temple was not really on the market yet to offer like a subscription-based um, products for, for these kind of people who don't have the time to dive into the information overload when it comes to healthy nutrition and things like that. And, and you're totally right. It's, it's actually information
0: overload. There's so much information out there. You just yeah. don't. It's like, oh, do this. Don't do this. Ah, what, what, yeah, like, what, where, where do you start right oh amazing i mean and actually I, I do again back to the, the company cultures and, and you've listed like the, the a list of companies to work for um, mm. and, and of course they all uh, 100% probably better than most companies look after their staff and health and well-being yeah. but i i can just imagine you're in an environment where everyone's young and hungry and competitive and we're all mm. keen to do better and better and better and, and the and the the pressure to succeed, not just succeed, but to be amazing in our jobs. Um, yeah. you know, we're, it's human nature. That's what, what uh, most of us are, are built to is, is we want to be uh, successful in what we do yeah. and achieve as much as we can. And we probably mm-hmm. put a lot of pressure on ourselves to, to Absolutely. do that. And it's um, amazing again, back to, you know, where you got your ideas where mm-hmm. all of this, you, you actually witnessed it and um, lived it and you've seen it. Um, and it's good that you did that, and I have to say, even even here, you know, uh, we we deal with a lot of clients, and there's days that it's it's it is tough. You you have to ship stuff, and and uh, yeah. you really want to try and get get uh, uh, everything done, and uh, it is hard to maintain the balance in work and work and life. So again, it's very interesting. Yeah. That's what what uh, led you to your new yeah. venture. So very interesting, um, and you, you work with a lot of clients uh, over your career. Uh, mm-hmm. a very interesting ones, I'm sure. Is it, what What were your favorite clients that you worked with?
1: Um, do you mean in during my tenure when I was uh, working in the tech industry, or do you more so mean um, like from 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 the last few years? let's say both, or uh, I let you choose. Yeah. Um, well, uh, to to think of a couple, for example, um, what I thought was very exciting when I was working at Salesforce. Um, there were many companies in the in the UK market. And that we're trying to yeah, make a transformation from an offline Salesforce um, where nothing is automated and nothing is really um, thought through to a more online presence where the focus was more on the customer um, and less about the company. Um, and I think so. I've worked with so many companies, but it's always interesting to see when a, when a company makes the decision to be more innovative and to innovate to kind of give the, the employees, so to say more um, freedom to do their job in a creative manner, uh, but still put, put a, an emphasis on customer success, as to say um, yeah, looking back at some of my favorite customers, for example, with the temple, I think it's for me it's most rewarding to see um, people who might have a problem, whether it is that they don't manage to run more than five kilometers, or for example, that they want to lose weight. Um, coming back to me after, let's say six months and telling me, um, Alan, like, thank you so much for guiding me in this journey. Um, I really feel more healthy. And I think for me, the, the most rewarding thing it actually comes back to family. Um, so I, I come from a stereotypical Amsterdam family and I think we're very similar to the Irish. So we love to have a drink uh, my, my grandfather, he has a saying: Whenever the five is in the clock, we can have a drink. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! I love um, that. It, it was count for almost every five minutes, and oh. I, 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 I think
0: Irishian as well. I think I, yeah, um, yeah
1: it could, could, could be an Irish saying you should, you should keep that one in mind. But, oh. um, but, but I, I, I remember. Yeah. My, my, my family and I, we've always been very close um, and we always kind of monitored each other what we were doing. And uh, in the early days, the, the, the focus was always on having fun together and, and enjoying time. And I think now, um, especially if I look at my brother and my cousins and but also even my uncles, um, we are now living more holistic and more healthy. Uh, we make more organic uh, choices. We, we work out together. Uh, so yesterday we did like a, a row cycle Uh, class together where you almost burn a thousand calories on a spinning bike the day before we did a boot camp and I think it's so fun to share these kind of experiences with your family because normally what I I would do is we would meet for a glass of wine in a restaurant whereas now we we do something together which is both healthy and fun uh, and kind of brings you in this emotional roller coaster because during this boot camp you almost want to cry because your legs hurt so much from doing a, a wall sit. However, afterwards, when uh, like serotonin starts to flow, um, or like for example, my cousin, um, she's she's a nurse, she's very busy, 26 years old, and she just finished her first uh, half marathon in, in Portugal by herself uh, in in less than two hours. And I mean, when those pieces come in, I'm I'm so proud. Uh, my brother is signing up for an Ironman this this summer in Amsterdam. And um, I think these are stories that 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 make me so proud. And I think there's always an intrinsic motivation, but I think, like I said before, it's the people you surround yourself with, the five people you surround yourself with closest, who inspire you and you can inspire them. And I think, yeah, that, that's, that's something that I'm very proud of
0: incredible excellent and and since we're talking about journeys as well i'm mm. just wondering th- take us through the journey of setting up the the temple and uh, <laughs> i'm sure it it was all plain sailing and uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: it was well, it wasn't it wasn't plain sailing at all it was more like a, a rocky sea so to say uh, yes. like an irish irish rocky sea basically <laughs> uh, me me and my uh, my co-founder uh, nunning actually we we started a charity together uh, took to cartel and maybe later in the interview we, we could talk a bit more about that uh, like the NGO we started but basically we we enjoyed the partnership we had quite a lot That we decided um, to <laughs> do a, a bike challenge so we wanted to bike from Morocco to uh, to Portugal over Year's Eve two years ago and we booked the ticket. Uh, I'm somebody who, when I have an idea to travel somewhere and to do something like this, I just book the tickets, uh, and then we we manage the logistics later. Um, same with the Kilimanjaro. Now um, I booked the tickets, but now I, I I found out that it will actually be raining and freezing, and we probably have to get another gear. But we find it out we, we, we managed it later, so to say. And same was with this whole biking trip. We, we we booked the tickets, and we went to Mar to Morocco, but we never got the bikes delivered. Um, so we had a bit of a problem. So we were like, okay, what are we going to do? And he's kind of an out-of-the-box thinker. So we made the rule to, you know, those beer coasters. Yeah. We said like every, every day we're going to create a business idea on one of these beer, beer coasters because we're here for 10 days now and what else are we going to do? And one of the ideas we had was that we said that um, we had the, the whole concept plan of the temple. At the time, we didn't really know what kind of name to give it. We were first thinking to Patrick's protein. Thank God we, we didn't go for that. Uh, And yeah, that's how it all started. Basically we were thinking to, because a lot of what a lot of our competitors are doing, they offer pure protein powder and supplements and stuff like this. Um, And we wanted to give more kind of like a a box solution, uh, like a, like a monthly kit that not just has the um, proteins and and supplements, but also tea and um, just, yeah foods or supplements that could be very beneficial to you so to say and yeah we started that q1 uh, 2017 and we kind of launched soft launched over christmas last year and that's when we had our first products it took us quite a while to find the right amount of partners it's very difficult to to find i think a good partner that can help you with a small batch of products most of them, like we were looking at coconut water, for example. And if you want to order coconut water, you need to first order a complete container, which is like a cube. I think it, it, it's almost 10,000 liters. I mean, if you're, if you're bootstrapping your way as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. there's no way you can, you can pay an upfront investment of uh, 25K just for 10,000 liters of coconut water, you know? Um, so we, we found a couple of partners. One of them is like a, a very cool a Japanese guy who lives in the Mie region. Uh, I visited him last year when I was running the Mount Fuji Marathon. I did it for my birthday that the Mount Fuji Marathon visited the tea fields in Mie in Japan. And uh, we made some agreements to sell his um, organic matcha and sencha tea. But we also, have, for example, a a splendid um, protein provider in the Netherlands who delivers like top-notch quality protein. And he was was very uh, kind to just give us a small batch uh, so to say, and, and make like a unique formula of so us. I think sometimes you just have to be a little bit lucky um, to, to to have somebody in your network who can kind of get you started and who says like, hey, you guys are two young entrepreneurs. We we like what you're doing. Here's something to get started. And yeah, that was, that was the first thing. Uh, I think the second obstacle was kind of the whole design and the packaging. So I come from a consultancy background. So I've, I, I never did... Uh, design, uh, obviously I did some art um, courses when I was in, in high school, but from the design of the um, design of the, the logo, to the packaging, to the content, yeah, these were all things that we kind of had to figure out or on the go, so to say. We did have a lot of help um, and we worked a lot with rem- remote-based employees. There's websites like Fiverr and Upwork where you can find extremely talented and skilled people were more than uh, interested to join a small startup on a yeah, freelance basis. So that was very fun. So we worked with designers in, in Canada and the Philippines, and we had content writers in Shanghai and the US. And I think this whole creative process, for me, felt extraordinary. Like, And we were doing it in the evenings and the weekends. Um, but it is challenging, because that, that when you work in the weekends and the evenings, and you also have your day job, your friends, uh, your girlfriend, uh, your family start to see you less. Um, and it takes a social toll, I think. Yeah. And also, if, if I look back uh, in those months, as a, as a friend, as a family man, I'm probably not delivered on my key morals and values, um, which I still regret to this day that I probably didn't make a couple of more calls. But you only have a couple of hours in the week you know, to, to work on your idea. And on, on the one hand, you get so much energy from, from your project that sometimes you almost get tunnel vision. And you just, you, when, whenever you, you wake up, you open up the laptop, you start working on your project, then you go to work. Uh, in your lunch break, you might uh, talk to some of your suppliers and then after work, uh, again, you're, you might go to the gym for half an hour. You, you might uh, notice with, with, with your company as well that sometimes it is, it is very challenging. Mm. Um, but yeah, when we did launch, which was uh, in April this year, which when, when we had our, like, our, go live launch with our website and everything was running I was I was so extremely proud <laughs> it was it was like it's so it's so cool to to see when some, suddenly sales start to come in uh, in your email and you're just you, you feel so proud that people actually believe in uh, yeah in your philosophy and in your product that they actually with their own money order um order a product because obviously when I was working at Salesforce and HubSpot there's people investing in your software, but it's, it's, it's company budget, right? But now when you work with uh, consumers, it's, it's people who, with their own money, make a decision to purchase your product, and they receive a tangible product where you've put two years of uh, blood, sweat, and tears, in. I think that that's, that's so rewarding. However, it's also, coming back to the challenges, I think one of the um, bigger challenges we now face is to... But now that we have the product there, we actually need to generate more sales uh, and more marketing. And I think, especially in the nutrition industry, it's such an overcrowded um, and competitive space because there's so many other brands like Bulk Powders, My Protein, uh, Protein World, Unad Nutrition, who have the, both the investment um, and they started just a couple of years earlier. So they already have lots of social followers. They have the budget for big social influencers to join their marketing budget, paid clicks. Um, and we are, yeah, I sometimes feel like um, David versus Goliath. You know what I mean? Okay. Throwing, with a ro- throwing with a rock, whereas totally. they're just have it, they are having a machine gun, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, and then uh, that uh, leads nicely into, how do you build your brand awareness then, as you say? And I, I guess you can be, because you're a startup and you control it, you can be yeah. nimble. And you, don't, you can make decisions quicker than the big guys. But I, I agree yeah. with you. It's, there's always someone bigger. There's always, oh my word, and in some niches, the competition is very tough. Mm. Uh, but, but, but how do you build your own brand awareness? Then? Yeah,
1: that's, that's, that's a very interesting question. Uh, I think you have to be, it's almost, um, you know, when um, sometimes on a personal level, you have months where you might have a couple of expenses and you have to become a bit more creative when it comes to money. So instead of going out for dinner, you might go with your wife for a picnic, Um, or you have to be a bit incentive when it comes to a day out. So instead of going to the museum, you might go to a park. And I think that's for us as well with the temple, I think, um, because we don't have the budgets for a big marketing campaign. So we need to work with people who are eager to have the temple as part of their portfolio. So for example, at the moment, we. we have a girl, uh, Ifana, she's managing our Instagram accounts. Uh, she does it for a very low fee because she likes our brand and she likes to work on our portfolio and she's very talented. Um, and also, um, we're reaching out to influencers who are normally charging 250 to 500 euros for a social post. And we are telling them, listen, guys, there's no way we can offer that. However, we can offer you this tip. Um, It has a value of 100 to 150 euros. We would, we would love what you're doing um, would you mind if yeah, you try it out and maybe if you like it, you can share it with your followers. And these are just small hacks how you can yeah, kind of get people involved. Also, from, from my personal perspective, I try to kind of work on my personal brand on, on Instagram. So I'm, I'm sharing my transformations, if you would like to call them this way. Uh, from where I was before to my current lifestyle and I also see that people in my own environment and my own circle are then getting enthusiastic Uh, and we try to focus a lot on customer success so trying to ask uh, constantly asking for feedback to our customers but also creating like a referral system so if you bring on another customer you might get um, we call them temple points for your next purchase or if you refer a friend get like certain credits or or, uh, promotions I think these are small ways, but still, uh, Kieran. To be very honest with you, it's very difficult to scale um, if you don't have um, a proper investor behind you who says, "Okay, listen, uh, we understand what your brand is about, and um, we're going to put this amount of money into it, and we're going to focus on getting more viewers and getting more conversion on social, on Instagram, for example, if they."
0: Very good. But no, that's excellent. and that's that's as you say the journey that we're I guess we're all on. You get to this level and, and to get from here mm. to here, it's it, close, but it, my word, it's a, yeah. it's a big job, And then go, to go again, it's uh, it's incredible. Uh, yeah. And I think
1: uh, like where you see most, most companies fail, they fail this whole scaling period, um, because it is so challenging. Like you said, it is very challenging to go from two employees to 10 and from 10 to 20 and from 20 to 100. Um, so, yeah.
0: It's a, it, and actually, the, even the numbers you're saying, that you're talking about, so we're we've 11 full-time employees today and, and a wow. few part time. Impressive. And, uh, but going from, as you say, from two to that and then, but actually in my mind now going from 11 to 20 is like ginormous. It's like, it's yeah. like 10 times what we've done now or even yeah. going from 11 to 15 or 16 full-time. Uh, mm. It's like, Oh my word. Like it just takes it to a different scale uh, all together. But I can imagine when you get to 20, trying to get to, Thirty or forty is going to be so much easier. I guess, and and, we'll see in a few years.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I'm. (laughs) I'm I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep an eye on you. (laughs) In a couple of years, I'll be visiting you in Belfast, and uh, hopefully there will be forty people. Oh god, stop! Oh my god, there'll be. I have no hair left. That'll be it. I'll be done. (laughs) bring
0: My hair is losing rapidly as well. Oh, uh, oh, need a, I know, you need I know what you're a, a container of the temple boxes just to try... <laughs> to <them>. but, uh, <laughs> what to do, what to do. And, and, and then even with all this work, you still managed to get involved in a, a, an NGO as well.
1: Correct, yeah. So um, Almost uh, three years ago now, um, me and uh, two of my friends, we started the NGO called Tuk Tuk Cartel. Um, the name might be a little bit edgy. Uh, this was the times um, during Narcos on Netflix uh, with the whole cartel principle. Um, but also the, the reason why we chose the name Tuk Tuk was that, it, well, obviously uh, my whole enlightenment, so to say, period started in Bangkok. Uh, Bangkok is the capital of Tuk tuks. But I also found that to many of the um, developing countries where I did volunteer work during my time at Salesforce, where we had those eight days that we could use for voluntary work, there were always tuk-tuks around. Uh, so I did a, uh, a water project in Nicaragua, uh, where there were tuk-tuks. I did a, a build a school with a couple of Salesforce colleagues in Guatemala, and again we were using tuk-tuks as mode of transport. Yes. And also the first. Tuk um, tuktuk Cartel project we did. There, was, there wasn't even an official name for the organization yet, but there were, we were going with Tuk Tuk to the site and we were actually building um, a school in, in Kenya as well. We were helping to build a school. We raised some funds and basically the, you might enjoy the story. Um, we came to the building site and it was 45 degrees, very hot um, in Malindi next to the Somali border uh, in Kenya. And we were already quite sweaty and we were like, okay, let's let's get to work. So on the one end of the building side, they were making the bricks. And then I think 400 meters on the right side, they were actually building the school with those bricks. So my first question, I mean, in in, in the Netherlands, we always question why, right? And that's why some people might think we're a little bit annoying and direct, but we always like, why are we doing it this way? And I was asking, because... We, we, we got the bricks and then we had to put them in one of those wheelbarrow, but then there was like a sandy road and the wheelbarrow got stuck. So my first question was like, guys, why, why are we not making the, the bricks where the campsite is? And they said, well, um, the campsite, uh, the, 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 the building site has to be made with a proper foundation, so the ground needs to be firm, whereas the bricks need to be made where there's lots of loose sand, because then if you add like the concrete, then you can make the bricks. So I was like, okay, that makes sense. So we're a bit stuck, so we have to do the wheelbarrow. But then I remember that we had the tuk-tuk guys and we gave them $10 for the day. So I asked them, excuse me guys, um, would it be possible that we rent one of the tuk tuks and we load them up with bricks and we just drive them from one side to another because then it would just make our whole building way more efficient. And they were like, yeah, no problem. That's when we started loading up the the bricks in the tuk-tuk and I I still remember it as as today. me and my friend, we, were like, we, we felt like Richard Branson, right? We just like, okay, we solved this whole problem, we, we, we increased our efficiency with 200%. Mm. And that's when suddenly, when the, the bricks were almost on the top of the tuk-tuk, the tuk-tuk literally went like this. I forgot the gravity rules. Um, I still have a picture of it today, and that's when the whole day like, of, okay, this tuk-tuk idea is funny, maybe we can do something with tuk-tuk cartel, and that, that's how it all started. But and yeah, uh, at the moment, we're just a very small organization and um, we're approximately five people. And every year we try to support um, a charity in a developing country um, with either our, our services or maybe with funds. Or, uh, so, for example, we did um, a project in Lesotho in South Africa where we uh, supplied 100 orphans with like a clean cooking stove. So these cooking stoves normally are 100 euros. Um, but these people live from less than a dollar a day so they can never afford it uh, normally they do it with like microfinancing. but even for like, these orphan children they raise a whole family and yeah they, they hardly survive so we decided to give them a cooking stove and now they, they have a clean source of energy to cook their food and they can also charge their phone which means that they don't have to pay for the electricity anymore which normally is also very expensive in these countries which oh. you wouldn't expect uh, but we also, for example, last, last winter, we collected clothes for Syria. Uh, we did a, a, ch- a charity dinner where we raised funds for a schooling project in, in Kenya and in Uganda. So it's just fun. I think it's, it's, and this is probably one of the souvenirs of my time when I was working at Salesforce. It's, it's, I think it's very important to be ambitious when it comes to business and perform on a high level and obviously do as best as you can. Um, but I think it's also very important to give back because I think the, the harder you work and the more you center around business, sometimes we lose touch with reality. But it's just I think when you're when you're giving back and when you're that's when your your empathy start to, starts to start to raise. I think for me, looking back at my time at Salesforce, the most proudest moments were when I was doing these um, volunteer activities, and that was kind of the start of, of uh, took to cartel, and yeah, we still do it to this day. And it's, it's, it's nice to combine it on the one hand with the temple and the other hand to do the cartel. It just uh, gives a lot of uh, meaning and to my life, so to say. In- incredible. And there's a, a big difference running a commercial organisation and an NGO? Absolutely. So one of the, the main challenges to, when, when you start an NGO, people are very enthusiastic in the beginning uh, and, and they like to give back, uh, especially in the Netherlands, people, but also in, in, in Ireland. A lot of people are giving back. I think Ireland is one of the highest countries in the world where people actually give funds to work disaster relief so I think that, that's amazing but also like running an NGO I think most of the, the, the biggest challenge is that you use people their time and, and time is a big resource um, and when there's no when when people give you your time it's, it's very difficult to sometimes ask for more um, because people only have a little bit of it, and I think what you see with, especially what I saw with to Cartel, is we started very, very quick, and we went to the Dublin, Dublin Tech Summit, and we got uh, rated as one of the most innovative NGOs there, and we won um, a, a two-hour uh, workshop with Gary Vaynerchuk, which was very, very cool. But I think afterwards, when the buzz kind of died down and people continued their normal jobs, uh, sometimes it's difficult to get that momentum going if you, because we didn't pay. It uh, salary stewards ourselves. So all the funds that we raise, we put them directly to the, ch- the charities in developing countries. So, yeah, I think, for example, what I what I really like is, ch- is Charity Water. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the organization, but basically what they do, they have two, two bank accounts. One is for donors um, who want to give money to Charity Water projects, and the money just goes directly to the projects. The other bank account is for donors who want to give um, costs for operational stuff for salaries of the staff and that kind of gives them the um, continued momentum to keep going. I think so if I would do something else in the future with Tutor Cartel, it would probably be to maybe look for a couple of donors who want to support the organization, say, okay guys, we like what you are doing. Um here's here's a grant um or here's like some funds where you can just yeah uh, pay for some administrative costs at the same or higher higher talent. Yeah.
0: Yeah get some more help. And, and uh, you did a two-hour session with uh, Mr. Vanderchuk then?
1: Yeah, oh that was very intense. It See, wasn't, my, yeah. my, my, my biggest takeaway was that, okay, first of all, this guy doesn't sleep. Whatever, uh, whatever he says is true, Like he's always on. And actually, when you look at his video, sometimes you might think, okay, he's, he's a bit full of himself. When you're with him in, in this, in this two-hour environment, he's actually so empathic and he really wished to help you. Everything is being documented, like we were in the video when B-Rock was filming, um, but he basically told me, Alan, you're not running an NGO, you're running a media company that also gives back and does good projects. And if you run the temple, you're not running a nutrition company, you're running a media company based on nutrition products. So everything is around content. Content is king. And I think that's also part of your specialities.
0: actually is. He he copied a lot of what we do, actually. (laughs) <laughs> it won't be, yeah, it won't be, yeah, yeah, yeah. but what to do, yeah, yeah, don't no, no, yeah. he, he's good, uh, good value online, eh? he's, he's yeah. he good, knowledge. and amazing content, my word, but, absolutely.
1: Yeah. What,
0: what, what, so I'm sure you picked up a lot of good tips on that, and again, absolutely. one last question for you then, if you don't mind, yeah. so in generating leads and business, have you any, any tips or advice to that anyone that's watching this?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so basically from what I, what I took from my time at, at HubSpot is that um, when it comes to cold calling, outbound, this stuff is getting more and more difficult when people are getting less less engaged, especially with the DPR. Um, so what I would try to do is just try to be authentic, uh, create very interesting content that's unique, um, in a unique way as you would talk to, or, to your customers. So don't talk and you're gone. Just be, be authentic. Be yourself. Create original content, and I think that's when you have something inter- when you have something interesting to say, mm-hmm. people will come. And when you focus your yeah your um, when you when you put your focus on your customers and you put your customers first, that's when referrals start to come in and word of mouth start to spread. And I think, in my opinion, that's the most organic way of growth. Um, and you can obviously you can go more aggressive, and you can. Yeah, um, we can all. In Dutch, we have a saying to walk down doors. I'm not sure if knock down doors. I'm not sure if that's an expression in English. Uh, And obviously, these. Yeah, everybody needs grit, and I think you need to go out there and you need to be blunt, and you need to ask for whether it's an interview or whether it's a speaking engagement. But I think when you do, when you produce good content and you're out there, these opportunities will also come to you. So I think if you have this combination of grit. Persistency, discipline, um, but also a little bit of perfectionism, and you, you put something out there that's not just quickly written, but that you have, like, yeah, that you thought that you through. I think the, um, the opportunities will get to you also. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a golden combination. But what, what do you think, Kieran? How, how do you see this?
0: Actually, I have to say, I think you sums up beautifully there. I, I, I okay. totally agree. I think that is the golden combination, without yeah. a doubt it's a mantra that we live by. So it was actually really, as you're saying, it, I'm going, oh my, that, that yeah. is exactly what we, we're trying to do. Don't say we always do it, but actually, uh, as you're saying that, I wasn't, that wasn't trapped either. I mean, really. okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Me, actually, yeah, so there you go. So we, okay. we're actually, we're, we're running our businesses with the same mantra, um, yeah. without a doubt. So um, no, that was very, very interesting. And again, that, to see how you're framing things around a uh, mm. content of media, businesses and then everything falls behind it so I I totally agree and even this interview here is a a form or part of that media
1: effort from you and from me so um thank you thank you so much for having me by the way it was uh it was so it was a lot of fun talking to you and I thought it was a very pleasant interview I really enjoyed the questions you asked
0: Oh, no, likewise, uh, I really appreciate your time today. So thank you very much. So if anyone wants sure. to find out about more about the, the temple uh, or talk to a cartel, uh, yeah. or even reach out and have a chat with yourself, what's the best way that people can do that?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, so people can find me uh, on Instagram, social, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Alan Buffing. That's A-L-A-I-N, uh, the French way written uh, B-U-F-F-I-N-G. Um, for the temple, it's very easy. It's just tag the temple, uh, as in tech uh, like you do when you tag somebody. Um, people are more than welcome to tag us. Uh, so it's it's tag the temple at Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, and to the cartel. Uh, yeah, the name says it all. It's also the same um, domain names on on Instagram and the social accounts.
0: Excellent. I appreciate that. Well, thank you for sharing okay. those, and thank you for your time today.
1: No worries. Thank you so much, and have a have a great day in Belfast, and uh, Merry Christmas
0: for sure. And, and and the same to you. And thank you for watching uh, this video today. So this is Kieran from Profile Three. Make sure you check out the links that have just been called out, and hopefully we'll see you in tomorrow's video. So thank you again.